this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this moment, and we are so appreciate you amongst us, you in us, and so we look to you, and we thank you for your deep compassion, your heart, which overflows with that love that uh, is just never-ending for us, and that fire that comes from your Word and from your Spirit, leading us into what is right and true and causing us to see you more clearly and know you, Lord God. And where our thoughts aren't aligned with your thoughts or our hearts aren't feeling your compassion, Lord God, we just thank you for your work of grace, of your Spirit, leading us towards you, that you will be known in us and that we can say that we are yours. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. Would you grab a seat? Thank you to Leah. Fantastic job this morning. One of those mornings where you feel like you can just keep going. And obviously, great support from the band. You guys, thanks guys. You can grab a seat. But today we continue our series, uh, Christianity 101. And I'm excited to share with you about church, about the house of God. And God in that, and just such a fantastic uh, place to be, people, you know, church, this is a fantastic building, and um, we've had a great journey to get to this place in this building, but it's not this place, it's you, it's uh, us, we are the church, and it's God in us in this place, and we love this building and this courtyard and the faith journey that we've had to get here, um, but it's, it's not really anything. It's a piece of real estate without us and God in it. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're just going to love it and love each other. But uh, the church, you know, God is very vast. God is, is vast. And in Isaiah, in chapter 55, it says, as the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The heavens are pretty high. They're up there, like continually. In Psalm 147, it says that he determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Some of those stars are just so big. They're just like our sun and our whole solar system is like a tiny dot compared to some of those stars. And yet he calls them by name. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to put you there. God is vast. He knows everything. And he knows everyone. He knows everything. He's all-knowing. He is vast. It says of Psalm 139, before a word is on my tongue, he knows it. You perceive my thoughts from Afar, before you have thoughts, he knows your thoughts and he is familiar with all your ways. He 
knows you. He knows all about you. He knows everything. He knows everyone throughout all time, like all time, from the beginning to the end. It says in Acts 17, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. God knew you before you were even you and knew you would be here today and knew where you would come and go and what you would do. And he knew that you would be here and he has a plan, a good plan and a purpose and deep significance for your life. He knows you and his plans are good. And God, you know, he is vast. He is brilliant. He knows everything and he's all-knowing, and the church is his good idea. It's his idea. It's his will, the church of Jesus Christ. It's his brilliant idea. And Jesus said to Peter, when Peter said to Jesus, Peter said, you are the Christ. And Jesus said, And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, not even the gates of hell, will prevail against it. This is God's will, the church of Jesus Christ. This is his agenda. This is his plans. And he doesn't actually line himself up with your plans. You line yourself up with his plans. Because he's pretty smart. He knows how it works. He knows What's going on? He knows the end, he knows the beginning, and his plans are good. And uh, I've heard it said, and you might have heard it said, that there's no perfect church. And that's probably true because you're here. Uh, There's no perfect church um, because I'm here. But God is perfect, and he has perfect grace for us to connect to him and grace for each other. And this is actually the perfect environment for you, the perfect environment for discipleship, the perfect environment for love, for loving people. It's the perfect place to live your life is among God's people in God's house. And Charles Spurgeon, the great man of God, said this, about the church. The church is not an institution for perfect people. It's a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace, a nursery for God's sweet children to be nurtured and grow strong. It is the fold for Christ's sheep, the home for Christ's family. Church is the dearest place on earth. And Jesus really loves the church. It says in Ephesians that he gave himself up for her. He gave himself up for the church. And we've heard that he gave himself up for you. And he's also given himself up. Part of that is for the church. And the church is about this great gospel message of salvation. It's about God's presence. It's about discipleship. It's about the Word of God. The living Word of God in those moments, and I hope that you feel God's presence and you're aware of Him because there's a moment in a church service 
when God speaks to you and He touches you and He says, no, nah, you're not thinking quite right. That's not quite right. This is right. Church is about this living Word of God. It's about prayer, praying for each other, not just here on Sundays, but all the time. Church is about friends and family, God and people, praise and worship, faith, hope and love. There's a transaction that occurs between heaven and earth. When your faith and you're faithful and in the house of God, the heavens are open in this place. It's a place of passion about what God is doing and it's an honour to be involved with Him and it's your home. Church is your home. And Jacob in Genesis 28, he has this vision and he sees angels uh, going up and down a stairwell. He has this dream and he wakes up and he says, Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. What a powerful thing to say. What a powerful revelation. You know, come in this place. Heaven is open here. God wants to do something in your life, in your heart. And the Bible uses several fantastic analogies of the house of God, of church, of what it is and what it is to him, not just what it is to you or to the world or what somebody thinks, what it is to God. Church is known as the bride of Christ, the bride, the spotless bride of Christ. And Jesus called himself the bridegroom and one day he's going to come back and every generation has actually thought that he's coming back soon. And when they wrote the Bible, they talked about him coming back soon. And so for us, it's got to be closer than all of them because we're alive and they're not. So he's got to be coming back soon. And whether he comes back and you're alive or not, he's coming back. He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for the church. He's coming back for that spotless bride, the church of Jesus Christ. The church is known as the body of Christ with Jesus as the head and us as all the members and you might be a, a, a more of a face or a, a nose or an ear or a mouth in the body of Christ or hands or just some internal part like the liver. It's known as a body. And there are many other parts to the body that aren't seen. The liver. Are you a liver? You're not a liver. Mitchell is the liver. That's why he plays the drums. There's a lot of flow going on there. <laughs> it's known as a body. The thing with a body is that it's connected and not disconnected. It's connected to him and you have different gifts for different purposes within this body and different things, spiritual gifts within you. It's known as a spiritual house, as Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. And you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. We're living stones. We're alive in this place, spiritually on the inside, connected to each other, built up as the house of God. And the church is also known as the house of God. The house of God. The house of God speaks of family, connected to each other, different generations, 
all together in the house of God. And I'm not sure what your home is like, what your house is like, but the house of God, I was really fortunate and blessed to be able to buy my family home, the place I grew up in. And it's in the bush at Springfield. Uh, and I have a lot of memories there when I was a child. I'm not sure what sort of memories you have, whether you have good ones or not good ones. But I come there and it's, it's a real place where I feel at home. Uh, I know the place and we actually want to change a lot of it because we have four girls that are growing very quickly and they're not going to fit in the bathroom. So we've got to do some renovations there. But it's our place uh, and it's nice when you're away to come home. There's that sense that we belong, uh, we belong there and isn't it fun when you first get a home and you're setting it up like Justin and Bethany? It's going all right? It's beautiful. It's in Wyong. Well done. <laughs> hey? It's in Wyong. And, uh, you know, when we set up our home, I'd been batching it for a little while and we just brought all this stuff in. So I just decided to hang this picture on the wall and because I was a bit of a you know, surfy kind of dude back then, it was just of a big wave with a guy catching it because I was in a big waves. And Sarah walked in and looked at it and then just give me one of those looks, you know, like looked at me and then looked back at the photo, the nice big sort of poster thing and just went, that does not go there. With a very stern look, and I just went, Yes, it does. I just put it there. And it ended up in the spare room with all the rest of my stuff uh, that I had accumulated over the years. And all that stuff pretty much ended up on the Kirby's eventually, which is fine. Which is fine. I sort of tried to make it my space for a little while. I had some weights in there, as you can see. Didn't really ever use them. Ended up on the Kirby's. But we made a home and we have a fantastic home, which is, is just such a blessing. I love our sign out the front, welcome home. It just, it's a place to belong. It just says, you know, we belong here. We belong. And what I love about church life, the family of God, is that we belong to each other. And that you are my people. These are my people. In my house and through Christ, God says, you belong to me and I belong to you. We belong with him in his house. We love each other. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 19, it says this, And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm. And before Christ or without Christ, people are separated from the presence of God. And here in the temple, in the, in the Old Testament temple, they were separated from the presence of God. But now Jesus has pulled away that separation and given us free access. And it says, the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, bold, come boldly and without hesitation. You know, when I come home, I don't ever knock on the door. I just turn the key and walk in because it's our home. It's our place. And 
There's a few things here. I want to give you three keys about coming into the house of God, about being in the house of God. And it says in here, verse 19, He has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to Him. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach Him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing can keep us at a distance from Him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained and presentable to God inside and out. And it just speaks of the great gospel message that Jesus has taken away our sin and given us access to God the Father through him into God's presence. And the first key about just coming into the house of God is simply this, just have faith in God. Just have faith in Jesus, a living faith all the time, connected to him in the house of God. And I'll never forget when I started to realise who Jesus was and what he had done, and I welcomed him into my heart, he welcomed me into the family of God. He welcomed me into the house of God, and I got baptised. How good is getting baptised? We need to baptise someone soon. Matt, where are you? There you are. Great job at youth the other night. Mia had such an exciting time. And Mal, yes, she told me how she held you down at one point because you were harassing her. But you are welcome to harass her all you like because she harasses her sisters. So I figure as the father, I welcome you to harass Mia. But watch out because she is strong, okay? Uh, And if you're fast, just... Keep away from her if she's coming after you. No worries, Noah, you did a good job. Um, but yeah, great job. We need to baptise someone. But what great, great uh, welcome that we have to come in just by faith, not by works, not by anything you've got to do, just by receiving what Jesus has done. And he welcomes you where? Into the most holy place, the place where the priest could only go once a year and they would tie a thing around his leg, a rope, just in case he, he wasn't, hadn't atoned for sin properly and did something and he died in the presence of God because sin and God just don't go together. So if you receive Jesus, you receive access to the most precious place, the most holy place. They had in there, they had a gold box known as the Ark of the Covenant, which was all intricate and they had the Ten Commandments and they had Aaron's staff that he walked through the desert with and the thing came to life. Inside, it was a dead piece of wood, but when it was put in the box, it came to life because it represented God's presence. And Jesus said, we're not going to have a barrier anymore to this holy place. We're not going to have a barrier to this righteous place, to this precious place. What we're going to do is we're going to invite everyone, come one, come all, through faith in Christ. And I will give you the grace, I will give you the opportunity, and I will welcome you in. It's your free choice to choose Jesus, to just put your trust in Jesus and what he's done on the cross, you'll find that you will get flooded with the peace of God and walk through the open door to God's house. Have faith in Jesus. So it continues and it says, Now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. The second key is 
living hope, is hope. We are people of hope and you come in with faith and you, you embrace hope. It says wrap your heart, your heart tightly around hope. Wrap it around hope tightly because God is faithful and He always keeps His promises. So many hearts get wrapped around so many things these days. Your heart, if I says, guard your heart because out of it come the issues of life. And here He says, wrap your heart, not just, just wrap it, just tight, tightly, tight. Keep it tight in the living hope of God, which is focused on the promises of God. I loved Janelle's message a couple of weeks ago about, about the Word of God. You, you can't really have faith without hope, and hope sort of leads to faith. And so she wanted to go and visit her sister in WA, and she's hoping that she can get there because she's pregnant. She wants to get there to see her sister before she has the baby, and then she wants to get back so that she can see her sister after she has the baby, and all the borders are shut. So she starts declaring the Word of God because she's got this hope. It's one of the keys to the house of God is maintaining hope and this living word within your heart. And I'm not sure where your hope is at, uh, but last year we, we lost a third of our staff in one day, which was a massive hit for us. We went from uh, about 24 staff, well maybe it's more, isn't it? 23, about, about 14, and they all walked off one job. Um, because they're all sort of inner conspiracy theories and really against the vaccine. So I had to, re- you know, respect that. But it was still a big, you know, hit for me. And I just was like, oh, man. So it, it was moments of stressing out and moments of God's got this and moments of stressing out and moments of financial pressure and moments of, oh, my goodness. Um, but fortunately, I remember that Ian Cowie sort of said to me, you know, Byron, God is giving you a reset, which sounds great when someone tells you a prophecy. You're like, yes. Well, what does that mean? Well, it meant that I lost a third of the staff in one day, which was really stressful, which is just, you know, wavers your mind between faith and oh, I've got to do all this work and, all that. and it's just back and forth. But isn't it great to have hope, to keep it alive in the house of God where there's pressure and all kinds of pressures? And I'm not sure what your pressures are or, or, or what there is, but oh, just def- default, deflect, come back, go to a scripture. Just get an anchor. Just get a living hope going. And so, you know, Romans 8, 28 has just been one of the anchors for me for my whole of my Christian life since I discovered Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. I don't know how this is going to work out, but it's going to be good. And we're still doing jobs that were supposed to finish last, last year. And I'm just like, oh, man, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know it's going to be good. This is going to be good. And just declaring the goodness of God and hope and faith keep you alive and keep you going and just keep you excited about coming to church. Oh man, so good to get to Saturday and you've done your week's work and you're like, right, yeah, tomorrow church. And it's exciting to see the kids going, yeah, we've got church tomorrow. And uh, Nina was hilarious because she couldn't come a few weeks back. She had COVID. She was so devastated. And it's funny to see a three-year-old devastated. Because it's like the end of the world. It's just hilarious. I love it. But, um, keep your hope anchored to a promise. And, you know, this is a family of, that hopes in God, in his faithfulness, in his faithful promises. And this will keep you uh, in Christ in here. And the third thing 
that I want you to have as a key uh, is to love. Faith, hope and love. It's written on the wall and it goes with home. It goes with this sense of home. And it says in verse 24, Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is what we're about as the church. We had this guy in our church and his family. Some of you remember Joel and Sarah. And they moved to WA. A lot of her family were over there. But Joel and I would message each other during the week. And we're always, it was just about witnessing. It was just about sharing the gospel or praying for someone. And so when he would message me, I'd be like, man, I've got to witness to someone. And I, I was encouraged to, to not just sort of go through my day, um, but it was always an eye and an ear out to pray for someone, to share the gospel, to get a God conversation in. And we would have a little score thing going. I got a three today. I got three words in. Or I got a seven. Or I got a ten once. I led someone to the Lord. That was like ten. Uh, and, um, you know, you feel a bit of pride in that moment because I, I gave myself a score, ten out of ten. Um, um, but it was just a, a creative way for us to encourage each other. And he was, just, it, it, it was, he was just brilliant at it because he would talk to anyone. I pretty much just talked to the guys at work because they were the guys around me, so I had familiarity. But he would just talk to anyone on the street um, or, or anywhere. He was so good at it. But it says, Discover creative ways to encourage others and motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. And I'm not sure what you're good at or what the Father has actually built into who you are, but out of that, you have the opportunity to love people, to, to be kind, to do acts of compassion that show the love of Jesus in this community and outside the walls here. And it says here, this is not a time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. And I'm not sure if you're watching online or you need to stay away a bit longer because of COVID or you've just come into a place where you're just jumping around uh, church life. But it's not a time to pull away. Now, I had this great experience once where I didn't go to church once. And I didn't go to church once. And... I had my reasons, you know, and they were justified, trust me. But when Sarah came home from church, she gave me that look again. And I can never do the look because it makes me laugh later, but not at the time. And so she just looked at me when I was in my pasty little relaxed state at home and she just went, you will never do that to me again. And that was all the encouragement I need to never miss church again. And no one has ever had to tell me, you got to go to church. Except for Sarah once, when she said, you will never. Like, she really leant into the never. <laughs> never. You will never do that to me again. The voice of authority. The rod of correction. <laughs> I felt like I'd been sent to the principal's, honest, uh, uh, the principal's office and slapped at the same time. God bless my wife. It's her birthday this week. Happy birthday, darling. She always tries to go through my messages to see if I'm going to pick on her. And I'm preparing them. And I always pick on her, except for the last time. I didn't say anything about her. Anyway. Isn't it interesting how people have their reasons? I have a reason. I had a reason that day. You know, I had a big game of football to play in because I was playing football and 
I needed to rest and I'd been working all week and I was tired and we had little kids and I'd been up late at night and you know, all those reasons, people's reasoning is always justified and every heart on this planet is wired for two things and one of them is free will and the other one is a sense of justice. And you will find that Jesus is not wired like that. He is just like the Father's will, the Father's will. Father's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And a guy comes up to him today, one day and he yells out from the crowd, Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he's just like, that's got nothing to do with me. Who made me judge and arbiter between you and your brother? Because that guy's heart was just going off with his own reason. And I've seen people come and go from church life and they've always got exactly the same reason. Their reason, from the foundation of their sense of what is right, what should happen, what shouldn't happen. But the Father's will is where we need to place our love, our love in the house of God, in the Father's will. And some people have to go, you know, they just need to move on. And some people's right and some people just not really dealing with their sin or whatever else the reason might be. But make sure that you keep encouraging people because it's not ever how people love you. It's how you love God. It's how you love people. And Jesus says, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another as I have loved you. And he laid down his life. He just put it out on the altar. And this is the place to just get onto the altar and serve in the house of God on the music team, which I will never qualify for because I cannot hear properly what the, the notes are. And I tried to sing once, and I reckon I've got a beautiful voice, but when it comes out, I'm not sure what happens then. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have Not In My Gifting Sunday, and I'll song lead. <laughs> no. We did that once. We had Not In My Gifting Sunday. And Frosty song led. Yes, that's right. Frosty song led. Yeah, for one song. And then we just got him out of there. That was so funny. Ah, see, church life is great. But church life is a place to encourage others to creative acts of compassion, beautiful works of love. And this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. And that day could be when Jesus comes back or when you go into eternity. And so uh, I drove past Hillsong this week and out the front of their church, they have a similar sign, but of course it's massive. And uh, it says, welcome back home. Welcome back home. And obviously, there's been a lot of you know, isolation going on. Um, yeah, a lot of isolation and their welcome back home just really alludes to, you know, coming back after you've been isolated, coming back to the family of God and being in church once more. Can I just have the band come up? We're going to wrap it up. But uh, Chris gave me this article by Jay John. I'm just going to pull a few pieces out of it uh, because he sort of touches on the pandemic and he says some fantastic things about the house of God, the church. And he says, We are 
Jay John is a, an awesome minister from England, if you haven't heard. He was at a presence conference a few years ago and just a really, uh, just a godly man. He says, we are all hoping that the long pandemic is ending and that a return to normal church will soon be possible. I pray it will be so, yet I think this pandemic will have a lasting impact for, and one reason is the way that digital or online church has come to shape our beliefs and practices. During the pandemic, we've seen two different ways in which Digital church has been used. One way has been a means of holding together a local church while physical attendance was not possible. And we did that. And some of the guys did a lot of work, Chris uh, and um, the band, they did a lot of work to bring us online services. And you can still see them online. Uh, And so it's hard to be troubled by that. The other way, however, is more problematic. While many of us have taken the opportunity to engage in some harmless curiosity about what happens in other churches, others have found themselves becoming committed to one or more digital versions of saint elsewhere. The result is what I call ecclesiastical polygamy. The word polygamy is deliberate. Churches are not simply associations or clubs, but local expressions of the profound spiritual bonds between those whom Christ has made his brothers and sisters In God, we are family, and as such, we are to take our family relationships seriously. The allusion to marriage here is appropriate because in a properly functioning church, there are many aspects of the sort of covenant relationship that marriage typifies, a unity created through the bonds of friendship, support, and prayer. Yet for many people, the pandemic has weakened their commitment to their local church so that faced with other numerous online options, their loyalty now lies elsewhere. The situation where many who were once faithful to a single local church now find themselves with a divided church loyalty troubles me greatly. All Christians should be deeply committed to attending a local church as far as possible. Certainly the New Testament church and ecclesia, a gathering, an assembly, is assumed to be where God's heavenly people meet on earth. The very real and physical nature of such gatherings is echoed throughout the New Testament. Above all, it is to be found in that very physical, touched it, taste it, bread and wine. This is emphasis on the material world in Christianity is hardly remarkable. After all, if God came to us in flesh and blood, then it's no surprise that our worship should be equally physical. I view all the good resources online as add-ons. The local church is the Sunday roast with all the accompaniments. Online is just the gravy, red currant currant jelly and mint sauce. If you need a little more gravy, go online, but make sure you have had your Sunday roast at your local church. Whether Christians have been engaged in ecclesiastical polygamy or merely been tempted by it, we should encourage them to find their way back to their local church, to get involved, to stay committed, to serve and support. The word needs to go out. It's time to come home and stay home. Come on, let's stand and pray. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I love what Spurgeon said. He said, it is the most precious place on earth. You come in here and the heavens are open in this place amongst God's people and In this Sunday service or in a connect group, it's the same. The heavens are opened where two or three gather. Jesus said, there I am with them. Come on, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your plans and your will. 
And we pray for our hearts, Lord God, to align with your plans and your will. We thank you for what you're doing in us as a church and in this nation through all the churches, Lord God, for your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And where our hearts may be a little out of line, we think of the work of your Spirit causing us to see clearly who you are and what you're doing in this place. We give you glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.